Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. Before we get started today, I want to take a moment just to thank everybody who supported us during our fall fundraiser. It's your support of WDET that keeps shows like Detroit Today and all the other great content that you hear on the station on the air. So we really appreciate that. Also, a little later in the show, we're going to talk about gerrymandering. We're going to talk to the author of a book about the nationwide sort of backdrop to the question of how we draw legislative districts. Uh, Then we're going to have a conversation about the ballot proposal right here in Michigan in November that will give us the chance to change the way that we draw those districts. So you're going to want to stay tuned to that. It'll get started at about half past the hour. But first, it is Monday, and we call that Opposite Monday here on Detroit Today. It's a time when we try to invite somebody into the studio who sees things a little differently than I do, someone who maybe sits across the political spectrum. And in that role this week is Matt Resch. He is the founder of Resch Strategies, a political public relations consulting firm and former press secretary for Dick Posthumous, Lieutenant Governor under then-Governor John Angler. Matt, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So a lot happened last week in America and the weekend seemed to bring a little bit of breathing room to try to unpack some of what we all saw. Uh, Let's start with the Kavanaugh hearings, which consumed every conversation it seemed that I had with somebody over the weekend. Let me first get your reaction to Thursday's uh, testimony by Judge Kavanaugh and by Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. Uh, what, What did you make of this extraordinary moment, I think, in not just Senate or Supreme Court history, but American history? Well, first, I have I have to thank you, Stephen, because it always seems you have me on to talk at times <laughs> when we are facing some of the most <laughs> time it that way on purpose. To talk about. <laughs> this is like end my business in one sentence kind of time here, depending on how this goes. It's a very uncomfortable place to be. But I actually was I actually was uh, was working and was actually at an event at Wayne State on Thursday, so I didn't actually get to see uh, any of the hearing, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from what I, from everything I've read um, and and heard from people afterwards, it was just just a really sad, sad, and I think a lot of people think tragic um, exa- place where our, our U.S. Senate, our, our U.S. government is going. I think I am struck as I follow the commentary on on Twitter and other places that there just doesn't seem to be anybody in the middle anymore. You're either with him 100 percent or you're with her 100%, and there is there's really no place in between. I think that, you know, I, I, I can feel obviously for both sides. From what I understand, she was a she was a compelling witness. Mm-hmm. I think that at the same time, if you're charged with something and you feel 100% that you didn't do it, that you're innocent of what's being accused of you, then I can understand the passion um, and and quite frankly anger that that Judge Kavanaugh came back in in his response. So I. It's going to be an interesting week to see how the FBI investigation plays out, what new, if anything, they bring to the table. Um, I think she has been a, a, a credible witness to her story. Um, I think it, the facts remain still that there haven't been any really corroborating evidence or witnesses that can back up what she has said. So it'll be really curious to see. The Democrats have asked for the FBI to look into this. They're going to get that chance um, when the FBI comes back with their findings. We'll see what happens next. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that, that I heard a lot from people <clears throat> over the weekend and actually even on Friday was 
about Judge Kavanaugh's demeanor and temperament when he testified. This idea of coming out uh, not just angry, which I think, uh, as, as you point out, if you were accused of something and you didn't do it, uh, I think it's quite natural to be upset about the accusation. But the partisan tone uh, and the partisan content of his uh, of his opening statement was shocking to me as somebody who covered uh, the Supreme Court for, for five terms and covered federal courts for a long time. Uh, I, I've never seen a federal judge behave that way, and he is a sitting federal judge, not just somebody who wants to be on the Supreme Court. I, I, that, to me, was a, a, a different kind of breach and a different kind of moment that I think it's going to be harder for him to recover from, and for maybe the judiciary, whether he goes forward to the Supreme Court, goes back to the D.C. Uh, Court of Appeals, uh, he brings now this cloud with him of lowering that uh, that uh, veneer, I guess, and showing just how partisan he is. And and I I, I guess that worries me almost as much as uh, as anything else in this in this case. Well, I think, you know, we've, we've talked a couple times in the last couple of years, Stephen. I think the last two, two years have been in politics, two years of, of first things that we never thought we would see before. Yeah. Um, going back to the campaign, uh, to almost every week we see something that, man, we never thought it would be this way. And I think that, well, his, his demeanor and his, his partisanship in, in defending himself, I think, was unique. I think it was also unique to have a U.S. Supreme Court candidate accused of being a gang rapist. Mm-hmm. That hasn't happened before either. And I think I saw a headline with the Washington Post last week that said after, after he testified that partisanship has entered the hearing process. Well, it's been partisan since day one. And it, to, to, to kind of naively say, oh, it's partisan now, uh, ignores everything that's happened to the, get us to this point. So again, I understand completely his anger if, uh, if, he is, if he is being truthful and honest. And I think that's a big thing that we need to keep in mind. I mean, if, if at any point he is found to have been lying or, or, or make something up, I think obviously his, his uh, uh, nomination is toast. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that, I, I, I understand the fact that uh, to being charged of these, of these horrible things, if he's innocent, uh, the passion which he brings, and a partisan passion, um, I think is is understandable. Yeah, but I guess I see the judiciary as one place that both conservatives and liberals have agreed that we need people who are impartial, who are above that kind of partisan uh, swiping. And, and again, uh, anger, passion, no question. Uh, you know, that kind of accusation is going to push you into an emotional realm. But how you handle that as a federal judge, uh, I think, is the question. And and this this very, very overt partisan uh, content he put into his statement, including saying what goes around comes around. I mean, sort of a foreboding threat. Uh, and I don't know what he what he meant by that, frankly, given that he works in the judicial branch. What's he talking about? I mean, I, this seems to be and you're right. This is not new. The idea of partisanship in hearings, but the idea of partisanship on the part of the nominees or the judges is is something that I guess uh, seems to me a new and disturbing trend. Well, I, I think, and I, I will, I will, I will come down in, in believing the, the the good nature of of our judiciary and the judges who hold seats on it. I think all of them, in their personal lives, um, are partisans. 
they vote for people, they give money to people, they support people um, in the ballot box. And the role of a good judge, and Judge Kavanaugh has proven himself to be a very good judge over the years, is to is to check those things and to check those impulses when it comes time to look at look at the case and look at, look at the facts of the case. Mm-hmm. Every single member of that current Supreme Court and anyone who's ever sat on the Supreme Court was a political appointee picked by a Democrat or a Republican, confirmed by Republicans or Democrats to sit on that seat. They are partisans, uh, but the part the role of a judge is at the time that it comes to make a decision. You step back, you put, you look at it impartially, and in Judge Kavanaugh's way, a, a strict constitutionalist, and I think that that's important. And I think that we have to make that, we have to take that leap of faith with every judge. It just happens that the circumstances of last week brought that partisanship that I think that is, nat- that is just the nature of politics uh, in 2018 into a very kind of uncomfortable and very public way last week. Hmm. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Matt Rush. He's the founder of Rush Strategies, a political public relations consulting firm. He is also the former press secretary for Dick Posthumus, who was lieutenant governor under then-governor John Engler. It is opposite Monday when we uh, try to invite somebody into the studio who sees things differently than I do and maybe sits across the political spectrum uh, to talk about the news. Uh, We were just talking about the Kavanaugh hearings last week uh, and this week, the FBI probe that will unfold into the accusations made by Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. We're going to talk in a little bit about uh, local politics, uh, the the Mike Bishop uh, race for Congress, where uh, the House GOP super PAC has pulled its money out. Also, we're going to talk about the ballot proposals here in Michigan, uh, the ones that we'll vote on in November. If you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. 313 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag uh, Detroit Today and uh, let us know uh, what you think, and we will try to work you into the conversation. I'm particularly interested in uh, listeners telling me what they talked about this weekend in the wake of the Kavanaugh hearings. I think there were tons and tons of conversations around dinner tables uh, and at uh, entertainment functions about that. I, I'm really curious what you heard, uh, what you said, and sort of how you're digesting uh, all of that. Um uh, Matt, I want to I want to talk quickly before we move to local stuff about uh, this FBI probe. Uh, the big news yesterday was the idea that the White House is limiting the scope of that probe. Uh, does that does that threaten the integrity of what the FBI does? In your view, uh, does that taint this investigation with the partisan? Uh, politics that the the White House, of course, has brought to to trying to get its nominee confirmed. I don't think so because, and maybe I'm wrong, but my understanding is that the the limitation of the probe is to the the current charges that are on the table. The the, the folks who have come forward with accusations against Judge Kavanaugh, those are the issues at hand. Um, you know, there is not endless time here, and I think that the, the to get this done and get this done well, I think to limit it to. Uh, to Dr. Ford's charges and, and a couple of the others that have come come forward with, with accusations, I think it is appropriate that the FBI look at those things. That's what the committee was talking about last week. That's Those are the questions that are kind of 
hanging out there. And if, you know, again, we, we, we need to remember, I think, I lost count how many FBI investigations Judge Kavanaugh has been through in, in his any number of nominations and appointments over the time, and that this has been an ongoing uh, process for, for months now. Um, so I think focusing it on, on what we heard last week and, and charges that have been coming out the last week, I think, is an appropriate thing. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven. 1019 is the number on the phones. Before we get to the phones, Matt, I'll point out that, yeah, it, it is. it has been, I think, 60-some days. But, uh, you know, the folks on the other side of the spectrum will always, always point to the absolute circus uh, that led to Merrick Garland waiting, um, you know, indefinitely for hearings, even hearings in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. They left that seat open for almost a year. So it's really hard, I think, to take seriously now this urgency that the Republicans want to put behind Brett Kavanaugh's nomination. But well, and uh, I would say that if anyone can honestly say that they wouldn't think that Harry Reid would have done the exact same thing at the end of a Trump administration trying to put in someone on the Supreme Court, if Harry Reid at the time, the Democratic leader in the Senate, wouldn't have done the exact same thing, I think is naive. It, it totally would have happened the same way. Well, I think certainly what we'd say is uh, going forward, uh, I, w- I expect Democrats to behave that way if they get control, and that's I, I think not a good thing. I, 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 that had not happened before in history. I, I know that there were people who talked about that happening, but it, the circumstances had never come up before. And the idea of holding a seat open for three hundred and some days uh, on the court now I think sets a really different precedent for these conversations. Uh, well, we've we've seen this happen a, a couple of times. It happened with the filibuster rule. And with this, it's like it becomes the new normal, and it's mm-hmm. it's a. You wonder if you're we're ever going to get to a point where we can go back to where it all made more sense. Yeah. I don't know that we can get there, but it seems like that's happened. I that think happens. that's going to be very tough. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get to the phones. Got a lot of folks who want to talk about this subject. Jane on the road, you're up first. Welcome to oh, Detroit thank today. You. Thanks mm-hmm. for taking my call. Sure. Um, I I am in the middle. I listened to a lot of the testimony on Friday. I thought that Christine Ford was very compelling. I listened to her in the morning and went away with the feeling that this nominee was toast. Mm -hmm. Um, On the other hand, I listened to his testimony. I watched that live. And I think that there are, are, number one, a a lot of holes in all of the accusations against him. None of them are corroborated. Uh, the report that came out from the prosecutor said that she wouldn't bring charges against him because of all the holes. I also think that the Democrats, speaking to partisanship, handled this incredibly poorly. That letter should have been released weeks earlier so that there had been time to fully investigate. Um, one of the senators said, you know, please say that you want a week for an FBI investigation. Now there's a week for an FBI investigation. And all of the Democrats are saying, no, no, that's not enough time. We need more time for the investigation. So I can understand the partisanship, too. So bottom line, I, I think that given the circumstances, mm-hmm. it's probably better to move on to another candidate. On the other hand, for, if these accusations are false, for this good man's life to be destroyed like this because he accepted a nomination is horrific. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Jane, uh, really great uh, sort of deep analysis. I mean, you're paying an incredible amount of attention, uh, not just to the things that are happening, but but, but to the details behind uh, the things that are happening. And I think uh, that your conclusion there really reflects a lot of the things that I heard, at least, 
from people over over the weekend about about this. I mean, there's a lot of uh, uh, nuance and complication to this that I think uh, is really difficult uh, for people for people to sort out. Um, Jane, I really appreciate the call and the comments. Let's go to Monica in Livonia. Monica, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, good uh-huh. morning. I, I just want to start first that I'm a conservative Democrat. I'm a Christian woman that goes to church. Mm-hmm. So a- any of this stuff where people, you know, in his testimony starts off that he, you know, goes to church and he has a strong faith, that doesn't mean people can't do bad things when, you know, um, and just he, they can't fall back on their faith. Mm-hmm. Now, Back in high school, I had my own situation where I can tell you, and again, I'm 58 years old, I can tell you exactly who did it, I can tell you the event, I could not tell you the date, I could not tell you the month, but it stays with me forever. And when people don't have something like that, they don't understand that. I watched the entire hearing. I think she's very credible. She has no reason to lie and everything to lose. While he, on the other hand, people, other people have come forward and said stuff about him. If he did do this, you know, he's not going to admit to it. You know, he should be admitting that he's drinking too much and having blackouts, but he's not even saying that. And there has been other people who have stepped forward. Just is political on both sides. Just move to the next candidate. There's got to be a better candidate that doesn't have all of this controversy going mm. on mm. you know and it is very frustrating that people are digging in their heels on both sides yeah uh, monica I, I really appreciate uh, again the call and and the comments uh, matt rush uh, so we've had two callers there both of them with i think a pretty nuanced view of all of this but they both suggested something that i that i think a lot of people are thinking about which is aren't there doesn't there have to be another candidate doesn't it wouldn't it be easier to withdraw the Kavanaugh nomination and nominate somebody who doesn't have all of this uh cloud sort of over their heads or all of this baggage that they're that they're dragging especially after uh Thursday and his performance then wouldn't it be cleaner to start over well, first of all, I have to say that I wish the two women who just uh, called in were members of the U.S. Senate because that 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 was a um, from both perspectives a very completely clear-headed and and solid analysis of mm-hmm. what's going on. And mm-hmm. I think you wish that the folks who hold U.S. Senate seats could talk more like the people who uh, they represent mm-hmm. uh, because it's it always feels like when we watch U.S. senators that it's. It's a TV show about being in the Senate, not not real people <laughs> dealing with uh, with issues. Um, I mean, to to your point about withdrawal, I think that up until two weeks ago, you would have said that that Judge Kavanaugh was had, should have had the clearest sailing of any anybody out there. I mean, there was he had been thoroughly investigated and vetted any number of times for any number of of uh, appointments in the past. Um, he had widely was widely respected uh, throughout his you know Washington DC and then the judiciary so to say that if uh, first of all it's completely outside of Donald Trump's nature to ever say he was wrong and to go <laughs> back true. and try to do something differently um, so I don't know that you're we're gonna see that unless Judge Kavanaugh decides to to step aside um, but but to say that if um, if the president decides to nominate someone else that the exact same kind of partisan hunt is not going to come after that person, I think, is naive. I think that 
from a practical political stand, stance, and this isn't necessarily my opinion, but from a practical political stance, the Senate has the votes, most likely. If nothing more comes up from the FBI probe, they're probably going to push the vote, mm-hmm. and this is probably going to, to go forward without having him uh, either withdraw or, or be withdrawn. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, one thing I wonder about this week is whether if the FBI investigation unearths evidence that he was a heavy drinker or that he's an alcoholic even in the past that number one it impeaches the testimony he gave which i think is going to be problematic but number two it adds to this idea that he will be going to the supreme court with all of this baggage and that the potential to stain that institution with uh the cloud of doubt around him or um uh, or, or questions about its character. I mean, again, that's, I think, the most compelling reason to try to think about whether it's worth, even if you have the votes in the Senate, putting someone, somebody like that on the court. Yeah, no, and I, look, I, I don't disagree. I think that the, the whole point of the, the last couple of weeks have been, have been damaging for, for both sides. And, but I think at the same time, to say, Let's just let's just assume. I don't want to. I don't want to say assume, but let's say that that, that um, Dr. Ford's charges are not true, or that he is, or that there was another person, or that there never comes forward any any real evidence, corroborating evidence, or witnesses against to to prove what her charges are against him, and to say we are going to say the most heinous and horrible things about you for two weeks. We're going to investigate you, your family your friends, everything that's happened to you for the last, you know, for your entire life, mm-hmm. say awful things, and then because you get angry about it and the way that you respond, now we're going to use that as the reason why you can't go forward, never mind the first the thing that brought this all up in the first place. I, I think it's, 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 it's horrible for him if, again, this is not, if these, these charges are not true or, or, or can't be proven. It's horrible for her that she has been, I think, in, in some ways used by Dianne Feinstein and by Senate Democrats mm-hmm. to come forward. I mean, when this is all over, they're going to let her go back and, you know, she served her purpose to them in this partisan game. And I think it's it's a it's going to be a tragic story for both mm-hmm. sides. Uh, Matt, before I let you go, I want to quickly get your take on Prop 2, uh, which is going to be on the ballot in November. This is the gerrymandering question. Uh, should we change the way we draw uh, the districts, the legislative districts at the state and, and congressional level? Would that be something that moves us more if we were doing that together? Uh, toward this space of being able to talk to each other and civilly uh, divide up uh, uh, the spoils in, in, in government? Well, I, I think, I, I guess I flip the question back on you. Do you honestly think that that can happen? I mean, we just spent the last 25 minutes talking about <laughs> how completely uncivil we all are to yeah. each other and if we can sure. and to develop a process where we can all of a sudden, uh, when it comes to especially such political power all of a sudden uh, work together civilly, I guess I would be a cynic on that one. I think that I, you know, I would be open. I think a lot of people would be open to talking about ways to do things better or better or different. I don't think that proposal two is, is that way. I think that it is, it is hyper-partisan in its, in its, in its origins. And I think that it is, it's, it's dishonest in what it's been been, uh, proposed to people. Um, and I think it's got a tough, a tough road to hope because, you know, it's, it's, it's well below 50 percent 
in, in recent polling. Um, and, you know, everyone, the conventional wisdom is a ballot proposal needs to be above 50 going in. Above, yeah. um, and it's not there because it's confusing and misleading. And I think that people are skeptical of, of those kinds of things. Okay. Matt Resch, founder of Resch Strategies, political public relations consulting firm, former press secretary for Dick Posthumus, the lieutenant governor under then-governor John Engler. Always great to talk to you here on Detroit Today. You too. <laughs> Up next, we're going to talk about Proposal 2, the question over redistricting in Michigan. We're going to start with the author of a book about gerrymandering nationwide. Then we're going to talk about the ballot proposal here. Also remember, if you have to miss any of today's show, you don't have to miss out on the conversation. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Thank you.